You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 109 of the Wisdom by Wessa show on the Horse Radio Network. This is Mike Dinell. I'm Casey Wilbanks Coletti. And this is Sofia Yagela. Welcome to Wisdom by Wessa on the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This podcast is brought to you by the Western and English Sales Association. WESA, which provides the world's largest trade events for retailers, manufacturers, and sales representatives of the equestrian industry. In this podcast, we feature exclusive interviews with noteworthy Western and English personalities, retailers, and exhibitors who you've always wanted to talk to. Don't miss out on all the news for manufacturers and retailers in the equine industry. On our last show, we visited with WESA's president, Scott Tucker, and covered what the board worked on during their meetings. Today, Sophia is here, and I heard that you have an exciting announcement about something that the board just voted on. Yes, during the last meeting, the board members mentioned bringing something back that we actually haven't done in quite some time, but um, will be very exciting, especially for the retailers. So, WESA is reintroducing a promotion of drastically reduced offers that are limited in quantity, and we are calling them the wildcard deals. How does the promotion work? So if exhibitors have great deals planned for their showcase products, they can sign up for the promotion through WESA. The link is included in a recent marketing email, or you can also find it in the Facebook group, or just email me at sjagella at westsidetradeshow.com. We'll then promote the deals, which, by the way, can be anything from payment terms or freight to lots of other things. So we'll, we'll promote them by showcasing a sample on the 11th floor and also listing all the deals on a flyer and on the Westside Trade Show app and also in the Facebook group. Awesome. Do exhibitors pay to have their wildcard deal promoted? No, they don't have to pay for that. They just have to drop off and pick up their samples and give us a little bit of information about the deal. But we don't charge for the promotion or for the show for the showcasing of the samples on site. Just take a look at the exhibitor email, the Facebook group, or just email me if you want to promote a wildcard deal. Blair Dworkin's love of horses began well before earning her Bachelor's of Fine Arts Cum Laude degree. In 2011, when she opened her first studio, her work centered around pottery pieces, but segued into three-dimension pieces and, most recently, bronze sculptures, along with jewelry. Now, operating her business as Blair Fine Art, her one-of-a-kind sculptured vases and portraits have been collected and purchased by top breeders and even celebrities. Her work has been featured in several international equine magazines and at numerous horse shows. Blair joins us today to tell us more about her story. Blair Dworkin, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to talk with us here on the Wisdom by Wessa podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. 
Well, you've got an interesting background, and we chatted a little bit earlier. I mean, you uh, had an early affection for horses, but you got your degree in fine arts, and you've managed to blend the two to the point now where you've got a very successful business with jewelry, a lot of horse shows you go to. I've seen articles about you in the equestrian publications, but let's go back a little bit, maybe the time you got out of school and then began to open your studio and kind of Bring us up to date from that time to where you are now. Well, it's really interesting. I never thought of myself as a fine artist. I actually studied graphic design in um, college and, um, you know, more advertising brochures, logos, and kind of the coming of age of the computer when I, unfortunately, so long ago graduated. So I did graphic design for many years and um, raised my children and built some houses and did some other things. And then my um, husband's family had horses, and um, I've always enjoyed horses and grew up riding a little bit, but we never owned horses. And I was getting older, and I decided, my kids were getting older, excuse me, and I decided I was looking for something different. And I was playing in clay. I was doing a lot of pottery pieces. So I first started creating pottery with images of the horses and hand painting on top of them, and that's where I originally started my business was, and it was called Brown Eyed Philly. That was my original name for my business. And I would do horse shows and I would sell my pottery. And then I started, it developed into sculpting the horses in actual ceramic clay. So I started, as you'd mentioned before, vases. I started sculpting the horses, very three-dimensional, not just bas-relief on the vases. And I've sold several. Wayne Newton has a couple of my pieces, which is kind of exciting because he's a big horse, Arabian horse uh, breeder. It sold many of those. And then it slowly from there developed. I had a customer come in and they said, you know what, Blair? Bronzes are forever. We love your work, but bronzes are forever. So I went from doing these sculpted pottery pieces into having them cast as bronze, limited edition bronzes. And then it developed from there into jewelry because I had a lot of customers come in and not everybody could afford the cost of a bronze, but they loved my work. So I decided if I could bring it into more smaller dimensional size, then I would have a different customer base and following. And that's what I started doing. And so I love capturing the horses now in jewelry pieces also. And I try to find something different in the style of my artwork. Is your time more focused on the pottery or on the jewelry these days? I don't do pottery at all anymore these days. Oh. My time is mostly okay. focused on the jewelry. The bronzes are so, um, I'll do a new one maybe once or twice a year. Um, I kind of stopped doing the ceramic because it kind of was complicated explaining why one's ceramic and one's bronze and the price point differences. But I mostly do sterling silver and bronze jewelry. And I do uh, bronze sculpture. Matter of fact, I just got back the newest piece in my bronze sculpture, but mostly focused on the jewelry, I would say more than anything, because that's the most lucrative thing to sell. I've done enough shows with Casey to know that she's going through your website. She's looking at the jewelry. She probably buys a little more of your style jewelry than I do. I'm going to ask her to step in here now and, and chat a bit about that. And one of these days, we're going to get this jewelry on him, Blair. He t- he says that every show, I feel like, and he makes me sound like a shopaholic, but I'm not. So what's, what's interesting is when we have somebody come on the show, 
I, I do. I dig into the website because um, you're on the show for a reason. Your designs are unique. They're different. So I, I just sit and I look. So I guess that's where I'll start. Your inspiration. Where does the continued inspiration, the continued creativity come from? I guess you're artistic. You talked about graphic design. But um, to me, to keep that flowing constantly, give us some insight on to the creative nature of your project. Well, I love the horses in nature. So if you look at some of my pieces, um, like I have one, it's a quarter horse and it's down grazing in the flowers. I didn't, when I first decided to start my business, no matter what I was doing, I looked to see what other artists are doing and I didn't want to do what they're doing. Why do I need Uh to compete with somebody who's already doing something? And I wanted to do something, the more statement pieces. Um, So I Everything I do is nothing's on a teeny weeny scale. Um, like you want, everything has is very statement. It has um, a story, like the horses and the flowers. Or I have another pendant. You know, it's a whole sculpted pendant of a rainer or a roper. I wanted to tell those stories, but I didn't want them oh, just wow. being silhouetted little pendants. I wanted the background, you know, so they're just all different. Because I had not seen anyone doing this. I'd only seen someone doing things that were just silhouettes of horses or sil you know what I mean? Or a head. Yeah. So uh-huh. very interesting. Like I'm looking at one right now and it's called Scamper. Is that the obvious story? Is that kind of designed around Scamper, the barrel horse? It, you know, it's not exactly Scamper, but it's, the concept is about Scamper. Yeah. So, and I use some of the names that are from history some of the different names of some of the pendants. How cool. I love Suddenly Famous. That's the one that my eye keeps going to over and over. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. Yeah. Suddenly Famous with the gems inside inside of it. How about your bracelet? Very lucky Blair Sapphire bracelet. I, I went to that immediately, obviously, because your name is on the horseshoe. Yeah, I thought it would be really fun um, to brand myself. I thought, why not? If Coach can brand themselves, why can't Blair brand herself? <laughs> And so all my necklaces now, actually, I made all the toggles, horseshoe toggles on the necklaces. I know that was the bracelet, but I, the same idea with the horseshoe, they're meant to be seen. They're meant to be lucky. They're meant to be fun and show off your little bit of Western, you know, without actually having a horse on something. So, so cute. and so unique, too. Um, I know Mike threw it to me on the jewelry side of it, but I do want to go back to your bronze and and talk about the vases just because they're just so intricate and and simply just amazing. And um, I just want to talk about those a little bit. I know you mentioned some names like Wayne Newton. I would love to know more stories of where your vases are, um, whether they're in people's homes that you know of or anything really unique people that have bought your vases because they're just, they're beautiful. You know, it's interesting. A lot of the vases I sell are emotional pieces to people. When they buy my vases, they have a feeling or reminds them of a certain horse they've had or a feeling they've had when they've seen a horse. And they're mostly in homes. I have uh, one of my customers who bought uh, Nadira, which is the big 
head of the horse in the poppies, leaning down into the poppy fields. And they keep mm-hmm. it actually on their in their kitchen, on their kitchen table. It's quite a big face to put on a kitchen table, actually. And I just find people decorate their homes with it, um, whether they have horses or not. Matter of fact, one piece I sold, it's funny, I just ran into him. He's a dog trainer, but he was at the Arabian Horse Show and he saw it and he just loved it for his entryway. The other thing on a lot of my pieces, they turn. So when looking at them, they're just as beautiful from the back. Maybe they have a big tree growing up the back or on Essence of Eden, which is the horse leaning to eat the apple. From the back, if you just see his little nose sticking out and the beautiful apple, you want to walk around it or turn it. See, so it's mostly just in homes right now. So they're so beautiful. And you you mentioned that the the one vase we were speaking of down in the flowers, and you said it was kind of big. How how big is it? Um, that piece I don't have it in front of me the dimensions, but it's about twenty six inches I, tall. Uh-huh. Oh, you have the yeah, dimensions in front of I just pulled it up and 15 wide and 15 deep. Oh, my gosh. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So, and those can be sized to be fountains. They can be sized to be anything, but they're just fun. They're just peaceful. The one thing I love about the horses in my work, I love seeing the horses at peace and, and relaxing, like in the flowers. Or I have one called Serenity in the Woods. And on Serenity the Woods, he's running through the woods. There's a big trees that grow around him. And he's a very heavy bas relief. Um, my pieces, they aren't just like coming up a quarter inch, half inch. They come out at least two, three inches, some of them from the vases. Oh, wow. You know, you just said something really interesting. Um, and I think we, we all know this. Um, horses are definitely good for your soul. I, I ride horses and I, that's where I end up. If I'm having a hard time, I end up with my horse. That's how it goes. And I think a lot of people that ride or own horses or even that don't, you know, they're very therapeutic and healing. But thinking about that being in your house, uh, you, you use the word peaceful. I never really thought of that, but I bet it, it is very, they're in their natural, you know, environment in your pieces. And I can see the ambiance and the vibe being set by your pieces in, in, a, in a home. That, and I've really never thought of that before. They tell me, they tell me they smile when they, I have my customers come back and tell me how much they're enjoying them. Not just they sit it and everybody compliments. They tell me how much they enjoy them, especially turning them and in the light and changing them, you know, cause you can rotate the vases. This is a, just a bit off topic, but not necessarily before I throw it back to Mike, I know he's got a burning question, but <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you, you stay involved in the equine community through multiple different foundations. I just want you to touch on that. Uh, real fast before I hand it back to Mike. Well, I try to donate to some of like Healing Hearts and some of the other foundations for raising money. And then I even, I just went on a, um, uh, this was fun. I went, this was actually riding too. I went on a couple's ride, a long weekend couple's ride with the Verde Vicaros. And I donated pieces for their organization. And then they do a lot of um, donations and things. So I just give back the way I can that will help the industry in different ways. So, yeah. and also help with horses that are, you know, being taken to the kill pens or things like that. So what I mostly do is just some donations for events. My question was, how do you start? Somehow you come up with these marvelous pieces, but do you sketch them out on a piece of paper? Do you try them out in another way? Or do you just kind of let it flow and see where it goes? I lay in bed and I will design something in my head 
and then go sketch it out for dimensions the next day. But I will pretty much know what I want to do in my head just by laying in bed, relaxing and thinking about the horses and coming up with ideas. And then so, how long does it take for you to get to not the, the, the mechanical part of the bronzing, but how long does it take for you to take that dream, uh, that image you had uh, while you were relaxing in bed? How long does it take for that to become a reality? Um, probably at least a month and a half of working on it. Oh, Okay. Um, but that month and a half could be spread over a long period of time of putting it down. The one thing that's really nice about working with oil clay versus the pottery clay that is a water-based is that I can put something down if I'm not happy with it, think about it for a while and come back to it. So actually, I just finished a piece that is not on a vase that I'm really proud of called Let Freedom Reign. And it is a Western writer. It's on my website, I think, is a clay piece. But I literally, as I was talking to you last week, I was at the foundry and we were finishing it. So I'm going to get it up on my website today. That piece, I spent quite a while on it. And then I just, I got nervous. So I held off a little bit longer before I just did the final touches. But that piece is very exciting for me because it's my very first piece of a human, my very first piece of a full all the it's all a horse with all the dimensions so it's not attached to a vase that piece i spent at least a month and a half every day working on it um if you figure out total time and then and you said before it goes to get cast now with the foundries um castings are taking between uh 15 and 18 weeks to get them back because the uh, laborious process in casting which was a process you had to learn even though you don't actually, I guess, do it, you had to learn how that process was done so you could envision how it should look for the finished product? I needed to learn the process, and there are different stages during the process. It's the lost wax casting, so it's a dual mold process, which is very interesting. My pieces actually are very intricate. The, the molds on them, a lot of them, like the last one, maybe like 20 to 30 molds, and it's a dual process because the first mold is just put, wax is put into it, the wax is taken out, and it's put into a second mold, which is silica, and that's what the bronze is poured in. This is just a really quick summary. Then all those pieces are taken and put together called the brazing process. Uh, in in um, bronze casting, it's called brazing, not welding, but it's the same process. And then a metal chaser goes over and, and fills all the little gaps of where it's all welded together, or brazed together, and texturizes it. And then the color patinas are put on. So, But that's hours upon hours of work that I just summarized in about 30 seconds. <laughs> Now, is the creative process for the jewelry follow the same thing? You're lying back, relaxing, and you're envisioning a piece of jewelry. You get up, you sketch it, and you make it? Pretty much. It's pretty much the same idea. Um, some of my jewelry I do take from some of my pieces, like Essence the Eden, which is the bracelet with the horse leaning over to reach for the apples. I had already come up with the concept, but I, I redesigned it because it had to work you know, symmetrically for a bracelet. By the way, I've sold that to a couple men. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you have primarily been marketing online and on horse shows, and then you appeared at a Wessa show. And with Wessa, you're hoping to be able to add another 
marketing distribution dimension to the business, and that is to be able to have a retail market. So let's talk a bit about your thoughts in terms of WESA and your experience at the show and your potential for being a supplier of your work to retailers as well, because we've got a lot of retailers among our listeners. And I know they're going to want to be interested in how they might be part of your part of your business. Yes, yes. So I've attended two WESA shows I've had a booth at, and I learned a lot really at the first show, which is the fall show. And then the second show, I kind of changed my booth around and started to make a lot more contacts and then also looked around at what other people were offering to see what else I should offer that's different because I never want to do what anybody else is doing, but what also the, what the retailers are looking for. So um, I've been adding some things to my product line, like more bolos. And like I just did a buffalo bolo. I just did a new quarter horse bolo. But these are all more higher end pieces in the sense that they're sterling silver and bronze. And, and everything is also made in the USA. Um, so that's where I'm kind of learning as I'm going along. And I also have a few mentors who are WESA members who have been lovely, um, to help guide me a little bit. Are you now ready? If I was a retailer, are you now ready to do business with me or are you still kind of working your way through the process? I think I am now. I don't think I was ready the last two shows. I've really got my pricing more accurate because doing wholesale and retail are two different things. I had to change all my pricing structures for all my retail and wholesale so that it's accurately even because I can't be selling my stuff, you know, at a different rate than what someone I'm retailing it for. So I'm really trying to do it the proper way. So that way, and then I can support my retailers two with maybe some marketing pieces or anything else that they need to go along to help support my line. Because I really think it needs to be shown as a line, not as a onesie twosie, because it really shows how I've developed different products. So if a Um, retailer is interested in speaking with you, how do they go about making uh, the contact? They can email me at my email at Blair at B cdfineart.com or they can freely call me if they just have questions on my cell at 602-334-6384. I'd love to talk to them even and I'd be even very happy to some of to send them samples out that they could send back and they could make the decision. I'd be happy to work with any of the retailers out there if they even just want to feel the product in person before making a commitment. Well, I think that sure some will. I'm sure that many will take a look at this as a great extension of the product offering that they're carrying on their own. And it, I think it will be, from a business standpoint, is an excellent third third marketing stool between horse shows online and then at retail. And we really wish you luck. It's been great chatting with you. You've got a unique approach to the market. Clearly, you have a great deal of creativity and success. We really just want to thank you for taking the time to talk with Casey and I here on the Wisdom by Wessa podcast. I really appreciate this opportunity. It was a really fun uh, conversation, and I hope to meet more Wessa members and move forward. Thank you very much. The show notes and links from today's show can be found at wisdombywessa.com. 
As always, we'd like to hear your feedback, should you have any. There's a contact link on the website. The Wisdom by Wessa show will be published on the 15th and 30th of every month. You can listen on most of your favorite podcast players, and you can also listen on wisdombywessa.com. Be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Wessa, where the industry meets.